Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend, and welcome. I am Pastor Kelsey Beebe, your lovely host. And today we are continuing on with our parable series. I'm just going to dive right in. We are reading today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner having learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which one of them? will love him more. Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with Jesus began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If you would please say a prayer with me. Holy and beloved creator, we lift our hearts to you. Everything that has been weighing on us, we take it off and lay it at your feet and ask that you give us just a short reprieve. Be with all those who are listening to this message today. May each and every one of us feel your presence. Open our hearts, open our minds, and fill our well this day. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's one thing that I have been reflecting on recently, it's the amount of hostility in the world. 
I think this happens all the time, but especially around election season, we tend to get in our bunkers and anyone who thinks differently than us, who may vote differently than us, um, who's different from us in some sort of way, we get in our little bunkers and then we hold this hostility towards those other people. And this doesn't just happen politically, y'all. It happens economically. Anyone who's a different economic status, oftentimes we hold hostility towards them. Different cultures around the world, we might hold hostility towards them, different religions. And it might not be direct hostility that we hold, but there's a judgment that we have. We develop a certain perspective about a group of people or a person and we hold fast to it. And what happens is there's an effect on our hearts. And this is kind of what this story today is about. This is what's happening for Simon the Pharisee in our gospel text. Simon the Pharisee is hosting a dinner and Jesus is there at his place at the table. And a woman walks in, a sinner. That's all we know about her. Just says she's a sinner. She walks in and she lavishes Jesus. She is crying and wipes his feet with her tears. She has an expensive perfume or what we assume to be an expensive perfume or ointment. And she rubs it on Jesus's feet. And she kisses his feet, a a sign of gratitude normally for pardon. So she is lavishing Jesus. And as she does this, Simon The Pharisee says to himself in his heart, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know she is a sinner. And I, I made a short comment about this uh, just a moment ago, but all we know about this woman is the fact that she's a sinner and she's from the city. We know nothing else. There might be an implication. Something might be implied about what she has done. That's a sin. But there's no thing that says, one, that she was a prostitute or two, who she is. She doesn't have a name in this story and she doesn't have a speaking part at all. And so a lot of folks have read this story in Luke, this passage in Luke, and have assumed it's about Mary Magdalene. Mary from the city of Magdala is mentioned a few verses later in the next chapter. And so people have somehow assumed or connected the two, but there's no evidence of this in the original text or in the translations of the text. This woman does not have a name. We don't know who she is. So I I just want to name that, that there's no evidence that she's a particular kind of sinner or that she has a name of any sort. And I think it's important to, to mention this too. The gospel of Luke is often lauded as the one that has a lot of female characters But if you read commentaries like the women's Bible commentary, they'll point out that, yes, while Luke has a lot of female characters, often they don't have names, they're silent, um, and they're kind of just side characters. A lot of people, even in this story, assume that the woman is the main character, and she is in some ways, but it's really Simon. Simon is the one who is learning the lesson here. So I, I just wanted to put that out there. So with this story and Simon, our Pharisee, who has this judgment in his heart, who says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. The judgment he has is twofold. First of all, he's judging Jesus, right? If this man were a prophet, there's this notion that he doesn't believe Jesus. He doesn't know if he believes who this guy is, like if if Jesus is for real. So that's the first judgment. And then the second judgment is... uh, obviously towards the woman that, 
you know, kind of who does she think she is coming in here and doing this and, and touching Jesus? So there's two pieces to his judgment. I do want to give Simon some credit here because he's not saying it out loud. It's just he has this thought in his heart. And this is different than the way this story shows up in the other gospels. So this story shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of in various forms, some details change. And one of the details that changes is that in the other gospels, the issue isn't that this woman is here doing this thing. The issue is the expense that they assume that this is very expensive perfume. And so the comment is made between the disciples kind of off to the side, whispering to each other, they make a judgment about her. But this story, it's Simon making this judgment in his heart. And so we give him a little bit of credit there. He hasn't said anything out loud. He's just thinking this thought, but he is the host, right? So he's supposed to be hospitable to the people in his home, to this woman, to Jesus. And so his heart, we would hope, is open and welcoming. But instead, he's got this hostility, both towards Jesus, not sure if he really believes uh, who this guy is, but also towards this woman, feeling like, who does she think she is to be here doing this? My question to all of us, myself included, is what thought would we have had in this moment if we were Simon watching this happen? If we knew whatever it is, sin that this woman does, what thought would we have in our hearts? Who does she think she is? Man, if only people knew who she really was. I don't know about you, but I can admit, or I will admit that I have definitely had that thought before. You know, when someone gets something good or maybe gets a raise or whatever, something good comes their way. And I'll think to myself, man, if people really knew who that person was. So we have these, we have these judgments, right? What, wishing people knew, oh, they should know who that person is. But that's having hostility in our hearts, right? We talked to the, at the beginning of this episode about that hostility we hold, that somehow our belief about a person is who they really are. So what Jesus is doing here is helping shift that hostility into hospitality. That's one of the main comments he is making here is, what is that space we're holding in our heart? Are we holding a space of hospitality for others? Are we holding a space of hostility for others? That's our question. And Jesus knows. Jesus knows the depths of the human heart and he knows God's mind. And even when Jesus is a baby, the prophet Simeon, when he sees Jesus, says the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And so the thoughts of Simon's heart in this case have been revealed. So Jesus knows what he's thinking. And as usual, Jesus sees an opportunity for a lesson and he jumps on it. And so what do we know about parables by now is that the person who is hearing the parable or being told the parable is about to get a little uncomfortable. <laughs> so Jesus says to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. I don't know about you, but if anyone has ever said that sentence to you, you know, it's not necessarily good news. Jesus says, I have something to say to you. And he goes into this parable about two debtors, one who owes 500 days wages, 500 denarii, and the other 50 or 50 days wages. And both are forgiven. And then he asks Simon, who do you think will love the lender more? The one who owed 500 days worth or 50? And Simon says, well, I suppose the one who owed more. 
And Jesus points to the woman. And what he does here is really interesting. He asks Simon, do you see this woman? And then he points out the differences between how Simon has treated both him and the woman and how this woman has treated him. He says, I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. So the hospitality piece here is that it was customary to offer some sort of bowl of water for people to be able to wipe their feet. You can imagine how dirty people's feet would get walking around in the desert. And so when you had folks over to your home for a meal, it was customary that if you had one, a servant would provide a way to wash someone's feet or you would provide a basin for them. And so this is a lack of hospitality that Simon has shown. He did not offer any water to wash feet, particularly Jesus's feet. And Jesus continues. He says, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. So again, lack of hospitality. There wasn't a kind greeting. And yet this woman, this woman, one, bathed Jesus's feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, showing a deeper sense of hospitality for Jesus. And then again, has not stopped kissing Jesus's feet. And I mentioned earlier that kissing a feet is often done as a sign of of forgiveness of pardon, out of gratitude for forgiveness and pardon. And so that's what this woman is showing. She recognizes that even in Jesus's presence, something is happening here and she kisses his feet. And yet Simon didn't even give Jesus a kiss as a greeting. But he goes on even further. Jesus says, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment, with this perfume. And so again, contrasting the hospitality that the woman is showing when it's not even her home versus the lack of hospitality that Simon has shown Jesus. So there's a a big difference here. And a lot of it is the hospitality that this woman feels in her heart for Christ. Simon did not feel this sense of hospitality for Jesus. He had hostility in his heart for both Jesus and this woman. This woman had only a sense of great love for Jesus. She showed greater hospitality and greater love. And that's the contrast Jesus is offering here. If you think back when Simon was having this judgment moment in his heart, you know, that question of who does she think she is? The answer always for Jesus and should be for any of us, to that question, who does she think she is? She is a beloved child of God, forgiven, loved, and free. Jesus is showing Simon, you hold hostility in your heart towards her, but she is your example, not just of hospitality, but love and the response we should have to forgiveness, this graciousness, this humility that she has shown. She is our example. So when we ask, who does she think she is? She is a beloved child of God. So what Jesus is doing here is transforming not only this woman's life by offering her forgiveness, he is transforming Simon's heart here in this moment, helping him see where he held hostility and opening him up so that he can be a more hospitable person of the spirit. 
I want to say here too, that it's not just the woman who is forgiven here. Simon has clearly also sinned. A lack of hospitality is also considered a sin. And so Simon is also part of the forgiveness that happens in this story. But I want to go back to that piece about transforming our hearts. I was trying to think of of an example of when my mind has been changed. And I've, I've had quite a few, you know, I, I held a lot of judgment about the Midwest. I grew up on the West Coast and in a fairly progressive area. And so I had this view of of the Midwest and what people were like in the Midwest. And yes, there was some culture shock, but it, not necessarily in a bad way. I, I saw a lot of beauty and kindness. And I realized that people who voted differently than I did, who are more conservative than I was, were so kind and hospitable and welcoming and warm. I learned a lot in the years that I lived in Missouri after having lived in California and Washington for so long. And now living in Wisconsin, I, I keep learning more and more of the same. But the, the, the particular story that came to my mind was about uh, my experience going to college. So I grew up in the United Church of Christ, which is a fairly progressive denomination, open and affirming. I have, I've said to people before, you know, I was probably three years old the first time I sat next to someone who is trans in church. And so my, my experience of church was incredibly progressive, incredibly inclusive, always striving for justice. And so this is my idea of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. What it meant to be Christian was to be on this forefront of the fight for social justice and civil rights to be inclusive and welcoming and warm. And I had this idea of the Catholic church of being quite the opposite, that they were not inclusive, but exclusive, you know, they were conservative and all sorts of different things. So I I didn't quite have a great opinion of the Catholic church. And so when it came time to look for colleges and my parents suggested, I look at St. Mary's college of California, which is a, um, a Catholic school in the Bay area. I was really against it. I did not want to do it. I was like, I don't, I don't really want to go to a Catholic school. They're not open and affirming. We think differently about what it means to follow Christ. And so I was very anti this whole idea, but I applied and did a tour and eventually decided to go there uh, largely because of how amazing the dance department was there. And so I went and what I learned was that I was very, very wrong in my opinions what I discovered is that there's a deep generosity and a deep commitment to social justice that is rooted in the Catholic faith, that there's a deep commitment to service. My college had uh, volunteer programs teaching preschoolers in low-income neighborhoods. They did service trips all the time in ways that that weren't about white saviorism and volunteerism, a term that I encourage you to look up if you've never heard of it, volunteerism. But we're really rooted in witnessing the power of people wherever they are, listening to what their needs are and helping them to achieve those needs on their own and really benefiting that community. My heart slowly opened I became good friends with the priest. Uh, He's no longer there. He's now at Holy Names University, but Father Salvatore Regusa. And I had a great relationship. I was an RA, a resident advisor, and he was my supervising resident director. 
And so I got to know him really well. And we had a lot of conversation around faith and our beliefs. And I really did become so much more open to the beauty of Catholic tradition and Catholic faith and felt so welcomed and included, even though my denomination was different. And so what happened in this experience was my heart, like Simon's, was transformed from hostile to hospitable. I can now hold space in my heart that's full of kindness and grace towards people who I once had held in a hostile place in my heart. And so what I want to offer you all is just encouragement to pay attention to the people whom you hold a hostile place for in your heart and let Jesus do that work of transforming you, thawing your heart, softening your heart. Brene Brown, who, if you've never heard of her, I encourage you to just Google her TED talk. But something she wrote in a book and has, I've heard her say many a time is it's hard to hate close up. I know that has become the truth for me as I have met people who are way outside of the scope of of the community I thought I would hold. So I want to encourage you to to lean in. I know it can be really uncomfortable. And if it's ever an unsafe environment for you, I, I you don't have to do this. But I we often resist getting to know people who are different from us. And so I encourage you to lean in and get to know someone who thinks differently than you, who might vote differently than you, who likes different things than you like. And ask yourself, what can this person teach me? What do I gain when I go into something trying to understand it rather than trying to prove myself? Because the truth is, we are all redeemed. And so we all have redeemable qualities within ourselves. So I encourage you to find them in others and find them in yourself too. One of my favorite parts of this story is the way this woman holds herself. She goes into this space where she may not be very welcome, especially considering how Simon received her, but she goes in and holds her own regardless of anyone else's thought about her, regardless of the fact that Simon is saying to himself, essentially, who does she think she is? She knows who she is. That's why she's crying and wiping Jesus's feet with her hair and her tears. She knows who she is. She knows she is a beloved child of God. She knows she is loved and transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. And she holds that. She has that strength and that dignity within her. And so we can learn from her knowing that when we ask ourselves, who am I? Who do I think I am? My friend, you are a beloved child of God. And so find within yourself too your redeemable qualities because you are redeemed. And so is everyone else you meet. And so my hope for us is that rather than be grumpy, that Jesus loves, welcomes, and forgives all, perhaps we can find gratitude within ourselves, that we get to be a part of that, that we are included in that welcoming and forgiving of all. Rather than be grumpy that why would he let her in? Who does she think she is being here? 
What if we just shifted that, transformed that hostility into hospitality in our hearts? Let it soften you. Let the truth that you are loved and forgiven and free open and soften your heart. Because I don't think that we'll get to heaven and find God telling us that we should have condemned more, that we should have excluded more, that we should have left other people out more or should have judged more. Instead, I think we will get to heaven and God might be asking us, who did you love? Who did you forgive? Who did you include? Who did you welcome? Who did you lift up when they were low? Because rather than condemning, God reminds us that we are beloved, that we are forgiven, loved, and free. And we are called to respond to that grace by extending that grace to others. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.